So there's a lot of voices in college football, especially when people want to be in the podcast space. Our next guest, Jack, has one true authentic voice. And that authentic voice calls the Chattahoochee Valley home, and you'll hear from him next. This is episode 15 of On Your Sidelines. When the final buzzer sounds, the game is over, but their story isn't. Time to hang out on the sidelines and learn the real stories of these sports icons. Welcome to the On Your Sidelines podcast with the News 3 sports team. Bring it in, everybody. Welcome to episode 15 of the On Your Sidelines podcast. I'm Rex Castillo. And I'm Jack Patterson. Guys, we have an incredible guest lined up for you. He calls the Chattahoochee Valley home, and he's become an incredible member of the college football analyst space. Jack, how excited are you for this podcast? I'm over the moon. We get, we've get we gotten to work with this guy in several different opportunities when he was down here. And now to see him on a national stage Having a lot of success, I can't wait to talk to him. Before we get into our guest, though, it's time for that t-shirt check. Jack, who are you rocking today? I am rocking the Ufala Tigers. Uh, you know, it's been a tough week or so for the Tigers. Um, they lost Coach Dwayne Mock uh, earlier, uh, late last week. So I just want to send a, a lot of love and a lot of prayers to the Ufala Tiger family and let them know that we're thinking about them. And, you know, they've gone through some tough times, but, you know, that – you know, they had a really good game against Stanhope Elmore on Friday, almost came out on top. But I know that, you know, you follow us, got a lot of strong people down there. And, you know, just, you know, keep the Tiger family in your thoughts and prayers as they um, as they go through this um, difficult time. I, I can I love that you're rocking that. I love that you're showing them some love because they've treated us so well. And then another team that I'm rocking today, the Jordan Red Jackets, a team right here in town, a really tough end to their season, an unexpected end to their season, a combination of just factors outside of their control. They aren't playing football anymore. So uh, for everyone who's an alum of this school, who, who wants to see this program reach back up to the heights that it was at, just know that we're thinking about you. And for those kids who, unfortunately, the 2021 season comes to an end, it's not fair. And hopefully you guys can get a fair shake down the road. Absolutely. 100% agree, Rex. Who we got today? Oh, well, you guys, it's going to be the Late Kick podcast host, the headmaster of Pate State University and the white t-shirt messiah of college football <laughs> takes. It is Josh Pate. Josh, thank you so much for joining us, man. Yeah, we're not so big on titles here at Pate State. <laughs> we're all about experience. So if anything, I'm just an experience giver. <laughs> well, your experience giving college football kind of talk radio and all this has been very refreshing. But we're, let's rewind back a little bit. You're from the area here in West Georgia. When did the college football bug get a hold of Josh? Well, from a pure fan standpoint, as soon as I could crawl or, or walk and talk, some of my earliest memories are, you know, my, my dad, my whole family grew up in the South. So, you know, it's all college football. And I remember there just being stacks of VHS tapes in this side room, like a study kind of room. And I would look at them and they would say like Nebraska versus Alabama, 1974. There'd be all kinds of old school out of conference and in conference matchups across the South. And I would remember from an early age, I can tell based on the quantity of VHS tapes we're looking at here, this must mean something. There must be some emotional value. Now I myself at like three or four years old, hadn't developed it yet, but to be around older folks and I saw how serious they took it. I kind of adopted that in myself. And this was before I ever developed a rooting interest or anything like that. I kind of had an abnormal upbringing in that I started to root for the sport and I started to watch the sport. And I don't know many kids who are brought up like that, but that's how I was brought up. Uh, but professionally, like the concept of ever being able to actually make a living doing it, that probably took years and years and years. That's a mid to late 20s sort of thing. Wow. 
And so growing up, you know, who, you know, who did you eventually start cheering for? Really, it was it was like a conglomeration. There was an Alabama stretch. There was a Georgia stretch. I always knew, and this was in the latter years, I always knew like when I was 45 minutes just west of Auburn as you, or east of Auburn as you guys are now, it's not a bad thing when Auburn's doing good. Yeah. Uh, I found that I had such a conglomeration of friends that I could bandwagon off anyone I wanted to because at any given time, someone was going to be doing good. Uh, there was a little Georgia Tech stretch there. In fact, the first game I ever went to in person was a Georgia Tech-North Carolina game, wow. ironically enough. They played last week. Yeah. Uh, now, I didn't go to a neutral site game. I still don't believe in them. But I remember Grant Field there, my first ever college football experience. So it's a complicated answer. Normally, someone can finish that in about five seconds. Not me. So you, uh, you go through all these VHS tapes as, a young, as young Josh does, and then is there a game or certain games that you remember that, like, okay, this is one that I became a huge fan of, of this game, or is there signature games that stand out? Yeah, I would say 71, Southern Cal at Bama and Legion Field. That's when Sam Cunningham came here. It paved the way for integrating Alabama football. Uh, probably expedited a process that was already underway, but expedited it a whole lot quicker than it would have happened otherwise. Uh, but I remember, and I still think about this today, I treasure college football's regular season. And the reason I do is because I remember being taught about that game, reading about that game. And this is, what, 20 or 30 years later, even when I'm a kid. It's 20 or 30 years ago. And I remember even then thinking to myself, wow, this wasn't even a championship game. There was, there was no prize on the line. It was just a regular season game. And this thing still carries all this weight. These folks that are way older than me cherish this so much. And it wasn't just that game. There were a number of games like that, of these historic, like, blue blood programs clashing in the 60s and 70s. And I remember thinking about how historic that is. People talked about those games like they may talk about seeing Elvis in concert in 1968 or what have you. And it's just an experience that in and of itself only lasts three hours, but the memory lasts a lifetime. Uh, that's still the same today. It can be the same today. It doesn't always have to be about what's down the road, the college football playoff. It can just be about moments. I was, I mean, I, we'll probably talk about this later. I was at the Arkansas, Texas A&M game this past weekend. And that's what it was like afterwards. Arkansas hasn't been there. They got a lot of folks on their team that experienced things like being blown out at the hands of Western Kentucky in their own building. And so I was watching these, in some cases, 22 or 23 year old players or 43, 44 year old staffers. And, you know, the recruiting analyst everywhere up to the graphics folks, but also the administration, the head coaches, those folks are on the field crying. It's week four, it's September. And so to a pro sports fan, they may look at that and say, what's wrong with you people? Well, you don't get it. But if you do get it, then everything I'm saying right now makes perfect sense. It was refreshing to be around them, and it was refreshing, even though I couldn't spell the word at the time, to grow up around that. What is it about college football that kind of just attracts you in? To me, it's the fact that the culture and the sport itself is interwoven. You can't separate one from the other. Like if I were to go just up the road from where you guys are, if I were to head up I-185, and I were to get off that Highway 315 exit, and there's the Chevron right there. Some of yeah. the most underrated breakfast biscuits in all of the South <laughs> are made there. But also, some great conversation is had there. But the point is, all due respect to our professional brethren up the road, you don't walk in there and talk Atlanta Falcons football. You walk in there, and it is synonymous. Any conversation you have is going to be bookended with, do you see what Bama did Saturday? Did you see Georgia? Boy, Auburn, you know who they got coming to town Saturday? It's like breathing. It's like oxygen down here where we grew up. And so that's what I love about it is because you're immersed in it. I always question what life must be like 
for someone who's not a college football fan. Because it's got to be like living in Juneau, Alaska and not liking the cold. I don't know how you <laughs> wow. do it. I just, I would move somewhere else. Josh, and then you create this platform, a unique late kick podcast platform that has a unique voice. But what did you, when you mapped out what you wanted late kick to be, what was the goal there? So it was, it was an evolutionary process. When I was doing talk radio there in Columbus, and that's a story in and of itself, but when I finally got the opportunity there and I did it for about a year, year and a half, I got a call one day from Drew Rhodes, who at the time I'd never met and who was at the time the general manager over at WLTZ. And he said, as such, he said, you've never met me. You don't know me, but you know, me and my sales GM, we've been talking. We think that there's a market in this market for a live weeknight college football show. I've been listening to you every day driving home. Like, would you like to do that? I, I don't care if you've never done TV before, which was a mouthful because I hadn't, but do you want to do it? I said, so, yeah. I mean, if, if you're dumb enough to make the move, I'm, I'm smart enough to take it. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so I, I started doing that and it was great. Um, I ended up in a very ill-qualified manner, by the way, taking the uh, sports anchor and sports director position there. Again, never spent a day in TV before, but it was offered. So I took it. And um, a couple of years go by, we do that show. It was called Football Nightly Down South at the time. And so we're doing that. And I started to, this next part's not evolutionary. Our, our chief meteorologist at the time, his name was Matt Wentz. I'm in the weather studio with him one day. And I can't remember what was happening. There may have been a hurricane or something happening. And so he pulls out at the time, I think it, it may have either been his phone or, or just desktop, but he showed me a forecast from another meteorologist in another market. And that's not unique. What was unique is the platform he was showing it to me on. And what I was watching was a Facebook live stream. I had never seen it before. Mm -hmm. This was at the very dawn of the whole social platform streaming, YouTube streaming. Uh, it, it was a brand new thing. And I saw it. And so immediately the light bulb goes off and that doesn't happen for me very often. So that was a big deal. A light bulb goes off and I realized that's the ticket because if, if you're in our business uh, to pull the curtain back a little bit, what had always prevented someone from just doing whatever they wanted to do, even if they were talented enough was overhead and distribution. Those were the two barriers. Yeah. You had to have the big fancy studio and there were gatekeepers to those. And a, certainly you had to have distribution, which at the time would have been called a syndication deal. And so there was, there was even fewer gatekeepers to opening those doors for you. So even if you were the best in the world, I'm certainly not claiming to be, but even if I was, I could never have made any of that happen. But when I saw that Facebook Live or YouTube Live had essentially knocked down both of the barriers simultaneously, this is both your platform and the internet is your distribution, well, that was game on. And so one night after our newscast, I go into our control room because it looks cool. As you know, there are a lot of TVs, a lot of yeah. buttons. It yeah. makes it look like you're working at NASA. <laughs> I, just, I, just took my, I just took my iPhone and I started doing Facebook Lives. And that lasted about a week. And then that same general manager came to me and said, what is this? What are you doing? What, on my dime, what are you doing? It looks, <laughs> looks to me like you're doing something I'm not profiting off of. And you're on the clock doing it. And I said, yeah, that's pretty much what's going on. <laughs> and so he said, we can't do that. And I was mad, but I mean, he was right. I understood it. So it came time to renegotiate my contract. And I wanted the ability to produce my own stuff, which was a non-starter, as would normally be the case, corporate or independently owned. And uh, it came down to the last day. Your former news director, Gene Kirk Connell, is in the room. It's me. It's Gene. It's Drew Rhodes. And Drew asked me, he said, what do you have planned? Like, you got one day left on your deal. You're just going to walk out of here. Where are you going? 
And I said, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. That's all I knew. All I knew was it was there to be had. I had no promise. I, had, I was broke. I had no money, certainly. And so we came to an agreement last day of that contract about to evaporate. And I stayed on. I was news anchor by this point in the morning. I stayed on and I agreed to work independent contract for him. So I was not a salaried employee. Mm -hmm. I was working for fractions on the dollar of what I had been. But the exchange was I had them give me that studio three nights a week. And I had them let me have my own staff in that control room three nights a week. And we went to work immediately. We built that YouTube channel. We built a Facebook platform that I don't leverage as much anymore. But we created Late Kick, had a vision for it that largely mirrors what it is today. I've not changed the format a whole lot. And we started doing that there in Columbus. And it wasn't but about a year and a half, two years later that Shannon Terry calls me up from CBS and 24-7 and said, I don't know how we can do what you're doing. I just want you to do it here. Come work here. And we'll just let you do whatever you want to. True to their word, they have. I do pretty much whatever I want to around here somehow. <laughs> Dude, and that's so that's, that's how that happened. But it, I'm telling you, when Matt Wentz showed me that stream one day of just a generic, could have been Macon, Augusta, wherever, it was a weather forecast being live streamed on an internet platform, that was the game changer. Wow. That's, and for those who don't kind of, you know, get the behind the scenes and everything like that, you know, there's a lot of, you know, red tape and stuff that you normally have to go behind in order to get something like that done. A ton. You know, how important was it for you to be able to control everything that you did? Ownership of your IP is almost unheard of. Intellectual property is what that stands for, for those listening. It's almost unheard of in our business. That would be like if Rex or, or Jack, you went on air tonight and you did a sports cast and then you called up your corporate owner and you said, I want to own that. I want to sell it. I want to cut clips of myself and I want to sell it on my Twitter account if there was a market for it. Well, they, they would laugh. I mean, they would almost think they were being prank called because no one's giving you that. And so, I mean, that's just, it's unheard of. And so when I was able to get access to the studio and, and never even had any other questions asked to me about the YouTube channel, there was never even so much as a revenue distribution or revenue split discussed. It was just, yeah, go ahead and do your YouTube channel. I think at the time it was still a new enough concept that the whole monetization of a YouTube platform was new. Conceptually, it was new. No one was really doing that. So they thought I was just going to go have fun. They were going to make a, a really good deal on their end, which they did. They got a news anchor for about 300 bucks a week. Uh, so I'd say that's a pretty good deal on their part. Right. But on my part, it was worth its weight in gold. Like, I mean, I'm eating ramen noodles every night, but I didn't <laughs> think it would last long because we were doing good. We ended up monetizing that YouTube channel. Um, that thing after one year was making way more than what my salary would have made me. And it was also getting our brand out there beyond Columbus and I owned it. And so the reason I say that's not braggadociously, the reason I say it is because anyone can do that now. It's out there. It's wide open to be taken now. An entrepreneur's spirit in this space is, yes. is honestly very inspiring. And then you look out in the world of college football, there are certain takes, there are certain perspectives, and there are certain mindsets about the sport. Uh, I think famously one that you, you do not subscribe to is how the playoff is everything. But when you looked out there growing up, when you saw like college football, the sport that I love is not being talked about the way I, I think it should be talked of. Was that a big motivation for you to move into the space even harder? Huge, huge. I remember before I ever got in radio, I worked just down the road from where you are right now. It's a place called David Rothschild Company. It's on 12th Street. It's a fabric warehouse. And I worked there. And so we'd get in at seven o'clock, we'd leave at five o'clock. It's a normal work day, maybe a little bit longer than a normal work day. Manual labor all day. You got to find a way to pass the time. 
So I had a little blue radio and we would listen to Colin Cowherd, who at the time was brand new at ESPN radio. And in those days, he handled himself there a lot like I try and handle myself here at CBS. You could tell that he, he had a little freedom. He had a little bit more leash to work with, but he was the only guy on the national radio airwaves that was talking college football a whole lot. And you could tell he generally loved the sport or genuinely cared about it. He, he observed it every weekend. So he knew what he was talking about. And I remember listening to that. And then I remember thinking to myself, this is captivating. Now it's the sport I love. So I'm it's right in my wheelhouse, but it's captivating. Why doesn't this exist elsewhere? Because when you look at all the money being pumped into the sport in terms of television deals, they don't light that money on fire, guys. They wouldn't be doing that if there wasn't an audience. And so on the back end, in the commentary world, the Monday through Friday world, I just thought we, as a, as a, as a college football fan base, we were so underrepresented. And so I, I just had that kind of feeling emboldened when I got in radio a little bit and tried what I thought would be the correct approach, which is don't try and BS people, be authentic with them, but also talk with them instead of at them. Because that's all you are. You're one of them. It's all I view myself as today. It's just one of the folks who do what I used to do, and that is scrounge up every dime I could to hopefully buy tickets to these big games we get to go to. I don't know why you'd ever approach it any other way. I don't know why it took the more uh, overarching corporate type so long to realize that it's there. And it also, it kind of coincides with how I've watched them try and force feed the public other things that they reject wholesale. And meanwhile, if you put good college football content out there, people will find it. They will go out of their way to find it. So, I mean, that approach to me is a no brainer. I don't know why it took people so long to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, man. Uh, Let's bounce back a little bit towards your um, development here in Columbus and talk a little bit about your talk radio career. I know that you were um, a part of the um, press box with Bobby Z back in the day. Yeah, those are memories. Now those are fun. It was, um, it was just a, a nightmare of an environment. No air, no air circulation in that studio at all. Brutal. <laughs> so middle of the summer, it's, it's everything you would expect with little air circulation in the middle of the summer in Columbus, but nobody cared. You'd ruin your shirts. Like you'd go in there and you'd have sweat stains on your shirts and you'd ruin them. But it was great. Cause that was the first time I ever got exposed to any live medium of any sort. And uh, I felt so underqualified as I was to be doing that. Afternoon drive, no less, in one of the most advantageous markets to work in, in the world, if you're interested in what we're interested in, because Columbus is a crossroads of so many different fan bases. And it's so it's a perfect place. I could not have handpicked, I really don't think, a more perfect place to be located, because if I were in Atlanta, that would be great. I would have never gotten that opportunity in Atlanta. Columbus was the right market size. Bobby Z was the right kind of guy to be along at the right time to allow me to come in there and observe first and then hop on air and then stay on air. But we got Auburn down there. We got Florida. We got Alabama. We got Georgia. We got Florida state Clemson. all those fan bases are in that market. And so what we got to do during the afternoons from four to seven on WIOL 1580, the zone there is we got (laughs) to simulcast and simulate what you would really model a regional or a national college football show to, to be formatted like, because, because we handled it there no different than if we emanated out of Atlanta and we were on 52 or 62 sticks around the region. That's how you would format it. And you can afford to do that in Columbus because you have such a perfect cross section. It's like that market, as you well know, it's like someone took a focus group and they just all happen to reside there. That's exactly the kind of split you have in Columbus. Couldn't have said that perfectly. I'm going to say that actually is a great analogy. 
So you you get late kick moving on um, at LTZ in a live format in the way you want it. When did you start noticing like, okay, my brand is working, people are listening in, the, in those very beginning days? LSU 2019, when they started a run, I, I, I mean, there's part skill in it, but there's a whole lot more luck in it. I believed in them in the summer of 2019. I thought they had a really good collection of elements, both tangible and intangible. It's not like I was picking Joe Burrow to win the Heisman at that point, but I did believe in him. I really thought he was an underutilized talent. And so I latched on to LSU when I was heavy into them. Mm -hmm. And this is Alabama's world back then, just as it is now. But when they started that run, keep in mind, we're emanating from Columbus, but it's on YouTube. So theoretically, anyone from from Beauregard to Bangladesh could be watching. (laughs) They all of a sudden start, start gobbling up all the LSU content. And we would see huge spikes. We would be talking to ourselves before the show. And, you know, you look at the audience trends and the retention rates and the click-through rates and all the important metrics that we look at to basically decide what to talk about. And our LSU content, I mean, it was like it was like an illegal substance. You could not put enough of it out there. It kept getting grabbed up and grabbed up. And so we went down there. It was either when they played Georgia or Auburn. I think it may be in the Auburn game. Auburn yeah. loses by three somehow that year. And we're <laughs> down there, and I'm, I'm just walking around the field pregame and folks are calling my name left and right. There's no business. Wow. We have, I have no business being recognized in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. But because we had the national potential reach and anyone can access you if they got an internet connection and a, and a device, we started to latch on there. Well, that's when I started to realize it. And keep in mind, you and I are talking right now. It is September of 2021. This is not that long ago. But what happened was we had been doing what I thought was good work you, you got to do it a little while. It's not an immediate, you know, popcorn in the microwave sort of deal, but eventually there's a hockey stick. There's a compound effect. And we started to hit the hockey stick curve about that point. And that's when a lot of things got put in motion. That's when the channel started making some good revenue for us. But that's also when, you know, I, I would hear from a lot of regional and national voices saying, Hey, I don't know what this is. I like it, man. Keep it up. Really love the stuff. And then when I got here, it was the same way. You kind of have to start over in a way but it was the same deal. Uh, you got a bigger backing behind you. You got CBS uh, pushing your sales, which helps, but it's the same thing that we're experiencing right now with the show here uh, times 10, but it's a compounding effect of just hopefully do quality work, put good stuff out there long enough and people will recognize it. Conversely, if you fake it till you make it and you BS folks long enough, they'll realize that too. You could turn a hockey stick upside down. I don't know if you guys know that, but you can yeah. turn a hockey stick upside down. And so there's no recovery from that. Nope. But yeah, it was, it was as recently as 2019 where we really started to feel it. So man, when you got, when you get the call from 24 seven, what is going through your mind? Well, I got a heads up about 10 minutes before they called that, hey, a call's coming. Going to want to go ahead and answer that one. And so when I got the call, I handled it as if I expected it. But I, it was an interesting time because we were at sort of an inflection point with the channel independently. And I, I knew I had a really good revenue maker there. That channel was headed towards a place where I could live very comfortably independently. So you got to keep up with your taxes a little bit more in that yeah. world. But I could live very comfortably now, when I say comfortably, I wear like two shirts a week. So comfortable, <laughs> comfortable for me is a little bit different than the rest of you listening and watching, but it was already at a place where I did not answer that call out of desperation. Let me just put it that way. 
And so I was very frank. I was very direct. Now there's a lot I still didn't know. There's a lot I still don't know now, but I knew enough to know I, I would be happy if all we did was this. Now, I am a huge believer in divinity in my life. I'm a very faith-based person. Mm -hmm. So here's what I couldn't have known. As you guys know now, living in that market, what I could not have known is the very studio that I was doing that show out of would not be under WLTZ ownership for a year from the point I was on that, on that call. That's a good point. So I take that deal, not knowing what the future holds, prayed about it, talked to some people. I thought that was the best path because, because you could always theoretically fall back on the independent scene. And I take it and get here. And I told CBS, I told 24 seven, I have to have executive production status. I don't ever want to co-host. I have specific reasons for that. Uh, I want to produce the shows myself. I need to go to any game that I want to go to. And I also, I want to be able to just chart the course. And they told me, fine, have at it. Here are the keys to the studio. Here are the people you need to know. And to their point, to their credit, they have upheld their end of that deal 110%. If anything, they've over-delivered on that. And so that's how that happened. But in and of itself, like that was a very, it was a very weird time because it's, you're going through something for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I just, I had, I had followed that brand 24 seven. I followed it for a long time mm -hmm. and it was really weird. It was, it was funny, but it was weird to be talking to the people that you've really looked up to. Those are, I mean, Shannon Terry, who, who is now with on three, but at the time was running 24 seven built 24 seven built rivals before that is just a lion in our industry. Yeah, and to hear him say, Hey, I, I'd love for you to come here and do what you're doing. I'll get out of your way, whatever, do what you want to do. You don't expect to hear that. Even if you have lofty goals for yourself and, and a, a nice broad vision, you don't expect to hear that so soon. What's it like for someone like that in that position of power to say, we believe in you and go forth. Huge. It, but it's a huge responsibility too. I don't take it lightly. Uh, we do not ever have anyone interfere with our production. I do not have anyone dictate content mapping to me. No one interferes. In some ways, I live on an island. But I want you to think about that because this is not lost on me. This company, which is really CBS, yeah. this company, which is, which is known around the world, looked at someone who'd been running, for all they knew, a, a little random independent YouTube channel for a couple of years, which is what it is pretty much. And not only did they give me an opportunity, which was pretty much unheard of at the time and still is to some degree, they also said, we're going to let you exist on our platform. You know, we're going to put you in our car. It's like owning a Lamborghini and saying, you just got your license. Here you go. Tossing the keys and then saying, you know, be back by 10. Don't speed. I mean, that's pretty much the edict I was given. My point is I never had a concern, but if I were them, I don't know me. So if I were them, I don't think I ever would have pulled that string, but they did. And they gave me the opportunity. And so like, I, I take it upon myself to number one, deliver. So they have a return on what was a risky investment, if you really think about it. But number two, there are hundreds to thousands of other people out there who are in my position, who for all I know, have opportunities down the road with CBS or elsewhere that could be dictated by how this little test balloon, this little test pilot and case study pans out. And so it's a huge responsibility. I don't take it lightly at all. And it's paying off, man. My, my goodness. I know that when we saw that Lake Kick was getting picked off by 24-7. I lost it. We were so happy for you. And we knew that you had a goal and a drive that was pretty much unrivaled here. So for you, when if you have people who want to pursue this as well, maybe not 
you know, get into a space like this, you're kind of the, uh, in the embodiment of if you bet on yourself and stay true to yourself, it can work. Any advice for people like that? Yeah. If you have that inside you, the sky's the limit for you. But I will say this, you have to ask yourself at like your very core, is this truly the intersection of your talent and your passion? Not everyone can do what we do. Not everyone is not everyone possesses the God given ability to do it. Some people possess the God given ability and they don't have the passion for it. You will wash out long before you make it to this point. If you don't possess both of those and they don't intersect at the right spot. But then the third part is if you do have them, that grind is a blessing because the way I looked at it is nothing about the hard work was ever going to turn me off. I don't care about that. I was working in a fabric warehouse, dude. Do you understand you understand how hard work in our world relates to hard? It, it's exactly. not hard. I mean, I worked a 17-hour day the other day. It's not hard. I'm coming from football. It's not a big deal. But that's a blessing because that's not normal. Other people do view it as hard work. And a lot of folks in this industry quit. A lot of folks in any industry quit. But every day, you keep your blinders on. You're not looking at your competition. I've never believed in looking at it through those lenses anyway. But the grind is a filter. And it's filtering out by the day, dozens and dozens and dozens of people who, for all you know, you were competing with for a limited number of jobs at the very top. And they'll be gone long before you ever meet them because the grind will have taken care of them. But if you can embrace that and it's not a deterrent and, you know, you kind of you kind of go rung by rung no matter what, anything's there. Sky's the limit. And I'll tell you what else, too. People in our industry are realizing very rapidly where the audience is shifting Cause the audience, you know, cord cutting, everyone talks about that now, but that doesn't mean people are leaving people who cut the cord and don't have traditional cable packages anymore. They don't stop liking what they liked. They just go to a different place to get it. Yep. And so you've got a tough decision to make. If you're an executive type, you either try and repurpose your classical talent for new positions, or you go find people already in that sphere and then, you know, you, you, you put a few bells and whistles on them and, you know, you, you, um, you know, you kind of not indoctrinate, but you ingrain them into the ways that you do things, but you keep an authenticity about them and you go find them. And that's what they're doing now. Uh, you've got several examples just in the past couple of years of people, whether it's Fox, whether it's ESPN, Colin Cowherd's in the space now of, of very big legacy media names going and finding people like myself through very unconventional methods and the more it pays off, the more they're going to do it. But if you, if you got that, the last thing and the only thing I was ever taught at the beginning is I had someone ask me, why would anyone care what you had to say? And that's the question I think everyone should ask themselves. Everybody talks, but not everyone has anything to say. And you got to learn to observe instead of just watch. Like if you want to talk football for a living, you can't just watch it. You got to observe it. You have to view things through a different lens than everyone else does. Because if you sound like everyone else, that you're no different than the guy in line at Clearview Barbecue. Like, I like you, but why would I, why would I shut up and give you my attention? Sports fans are the most stubborn people on earth. I'm one of them. The last thing they want to do is be quiet. Everyone wants to talk. You guys have been in that conversation just like I have. Imagine trying to, trying to mold your craft to the point where the most stubborn group of people, football fans in general, are willing to shut their mouth and give you their attention. That is not easy to do. But when they do it, you better respect them and you better appreciate them because they don't have to do it. 
you, there are options out there. They could look at you as being a dime a dozen. And so you got to appreciate it and you got to take advantage of it and do not rest once you get there. In fact, you got to work harder once you get there. Man, I could not agree with that any more than what I do. Uh, what's been one moment for you since you've, you know, been taking the late kick national? What's been one moment when it's just kind of hit you like, man, can you believe that I'm here? Well, I tell, I tell pretty much everyone who asked that. There was a time earlier this year, I think it was January or February, I got notified that Alabama <laughs> wanted to know if we wanted Nick Saban. Now, as you guys know, that does not work that way. It's no. normally <laughs> no, it does not. You hit up Josh Maxson, and he tells you no. That's normally the way that works. Right. And so, I don't ever have guests. It's just not the way I format the show. There are exceptions to the rule. That was one of them. <laughs> and so I actually, I did it right here where I'm standing. And so I said, Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah, I, all right, we'll take him. And so we had him on. It was loose. There was no time constraint. We just talked for 10 or 15 minutes. And at that point, it, it happened so quickly, I didn't have time to really build up. I didn't have any prepared questions. It was afterwards where I walked back over to my desk over here, and I sat there and I said, what just happened? How, how did that just happen? Because there are a lot of people whose names have been known in this industry decades longer than I've ever even been around who would kill to have that fall in their lap. And we just did with a, a show that airs on YouTube. How did that happen? I would say that qualifies to, to be yeah. the answer to the question. <laughs> that, that, that's a heck of an answer to that question, man. So what's it like seeing uh, the, the late kick logo show up at all these different college football shows pregame? Uh, pre oh, it's great. It's great. I had to, I had to do something, man. Like, first off, our audience, if you have a loyal audience, you have something in your possession that marketing firms would pay millions of dollars to have. 100%. Mm -hmm. Because they, it's, you don't take it for granted. I'm certainly not speaking the way I'm about to speak as if I take it for granted, but they'll do whatever you want them to do. And so that's in and of itself a responsibility to, to, to just be that, to be responsible with it. But I put it out there when the season was coming up. We, I don't have a marketing budget. I've never asked for one. For all I know, they'd give me one, but I've never asked for one because I know we don't need it because our audience is our marketing arm. They constantly shout the show out. They constantly, you know, by the thousands per day, I get tagged with that kind of stuff. So I know the brands out there, but I thought to myself, I'd love to see it. And so I know these shows emanate college game day, SEC nation from all sorts of places. What if I just put it out there? So I didn't broadcast it. I didn't put billboards up. I just said, Hey, we're starting the season here. Sure. Would be cool if we saw some late kick or paid state signs <laughs> and they delivered like three or four of them opening weekend. And to the point where I had to make them something. So I made trophies for us. So I'm sending them to anyone. I got a shipment that's actually supposed to go out today of um, their, their paid state chalices of supremacy. And we are sending them <laughs> to anyone who pulls this off along with, and this will blow your mind, our partners with Academy, they don't sponsor this podcast, so I'm not going to name drop them 15 times, but they hit me up last week and they thanked me, A, because our crowd is doing what they do. And so they said, our campaign's already paid for tenfold. <laughs> uh, do you want some free stuff to give away? Like, do you want $50 gift cards? We'll just send you a bundle of them. Just give them out however you want to. And so we just get to, I get to Frisbee them all over the place to, Anyone and everyone I meet when I go to these games who That's says, incredible. hey, Josh, here, here's 50 bucks. That's <laughs> nice to be able to do. It's really great. Yeah. If you guys want them, I'll send them to you. Who cares?
Well, ladies and gentlemen, if Josh Pate happens to be in your neck of the woods, find him, and then uh, Academy will be very happy. But um, yes, I, I I think what I also love so much about your podcast and just your brand is it is always of the people. You've always kept that in mind because I think a lot of people at times we they they go a little too hard into the expertise thing. Let's bring in seventeen people who used to play college football, played in these big games, and let's talk at it from a holier than thou point of view. Is that so important to you to keep grassroots? Like, I am still a fan. This is a, fa- a show for the people. This is entertainment. That's all it is. You are trying to give people what they want. If we ran a local Golden Corral and we put something out that no one ate, but we liked it, would we keep putting it out or would we just eat that on our own time at our house? The answer is clear. In a lot of cases, you're, you're running a buffet, a little content buffet, if you will, And you got folks out there that do exactly what you just said. They format their shows for them. You don't do that. That's foolish. You format your show for your audience, independent of what you care about. Now, hopefully, what you care about is what the audience cares about, or maybe you're in the wrong line of work. But that's how you format. Again, it's easy enough where even I can understand it. I know it's not rocket science. But, yes, to answer your question, my my philosophy for formatting our show has always been, I got four pillars I want to hit, educate, entertain, enlighten, inform. Those are the four things I want to hit. But I also think about it on a much more ground-based level. When I used to work in that fabric warehouse, I'd go to lunch every day, three, four days a week over on River Road, Clearview Barbecue, second time I've already mentioned it in this podcast. (laughs) And I would eat with about three or four buddies of mine, and we would talk about college football. That's what we would talk about. And I don't think we ever diagrammed a play on a napkin. I don't think we ever did the kind of stuff you're talking about. That is my audience. What's happening at that table should be exactly how my show sounds. And so that's always been the way I make the show sound. There's no reason to deviate from that. You've already done the market research. You already know what works and what doesn't work. There's no reason to just show off for the sake of showing off. They, CBS asked me if I wanted, um, what's the, the telestrator? They asked me if I wanted a telestrator. I'd probably just draw smiley faces on air from front. <laughs> I, I have no purpose. I have no purpose for a telestrator. I said, Get me a better parking spot. Don't buy me a telestrator. I don't need one. Man, with your kind of rise to fame from starting off here in the Chattahoochee Valley to making it up there, what would you say to people who hear your story, whether they're hearing it here or they, you know, see it from any other medium? What would you say to people, you know, you know, maybe that's in a similar situation who, you know, want to, you know, get into our business, but maybe out of it? The only thing stopping you is you. If you have the prerequisites, if you have the just minimum baseline talent, the most talented people are not the ones making it here. I can assure you, I'm not the most talented in my field. Look at this hair. I don't have, I don't have the, the custom made appearance for our industry. But if you have the other intangibles, those things, they're hurdles, but they're not like 10 foot hurdles. You can jump over them. Like you can make it happen. But the, the thing that I would tell them is, And what I've realized just in the past year, this was always so much more attainable than I ever thought it was. You grow up, especially if you grow up, I'm not, I'm not saying I grew up poor and, you know, I like mayonnaise sandwiches or anything like that. I certainly didn't grow up wealthy. You, at least this is the way it was for me. I looked at that world and I always viewed it as a different planet. There's this person over here, there's Kirk Herbstreet and he gets to do that for a living. But it's because he played the game. He just has a whole bunch of stuff I couldn't have. So it's great that he has that. But he's one of the privileged few. Like, I could never live in that world. Mm -hmm. Well, you can. 
that's been the biggest realization to me over the past year is you absolutely can. And it's not a bridge that's across a Grand Canyon. It's hard work. Please don't misunderstand me. But I'm just telling you, I was down there working in local news two and a half years ago. This has not been a 10 or 15 year process. It takes a lot of hard work. I cannot emphasize that enough. And you got to be razor sharp focused. You got to be willing to sacrifice some things in your life. But if this is what you love anyway, I don't even view it as a huge sacrifice to be real with you. Like we're sacrificing working on Saturdays. Well, if you're working on Saturdays, doing the stuff you'd be doing on Saturdays anyway, that's not really work. Mm -hmm. Sitting in an airport terminal at 5.30 a.m. is not the funnest thing in the world, but it's not really work. But I, I will, to circle back to that main point, it is so much more attainable than I ever thought it was. It's so much closer, in other words. But when you're digging, you can't see two feet beneath where you are. All you see is dirt. And so you keep digging and digging and digging. You never know whether you're one more shovel scoop away from the diamond. You have no way of knowing that, but it could be there and it is there. And if you don't want to do this, you don't even have to relate it to this. You can metaphorically relate this to anything you want to do in life. It's there. It's attainable. And in a lot of ways, because of technology, you have more access to more information, but you have connectivity potentially to more people with information and opportunities for you and, and wisdom to share with you than you ever have in your life, if we were, if we lived in 1930, we'd have a circle of a few people. And that's the only interaction we'd ever have. I interact with thousands of people a week. Now think about how beneficial that is. It's, it's huge. It's, you can't even quantify and put a value on that. And so it is attainable. It is there and it doesn't have to take 20 years to achieve either. We are lucky enough to have inspirational people on this show and sir, you definitely qualify as that. I mean, your rise, your grind is something to marvel against and you definitely are a role model for betting on yourself and making it. We're so happy for you. Um, yeah, I uh, mean, I got to see all this firsthand, man. <laughs> like we, I, we got I to rub shoulders with, with Lake Kick Josh out there, y'all, and believe me, when he, when he goes to work, he goes to work. So it's, yeah. it's really good to see good people get great things happen to them, man. Well, I listen, Let's talk about real fame now. Because I was in the building the night that oh, young Jack Patterson. Hey! I was in the building the night when young Jack Patterson, excuse me. I was in the building the night when Marty Smith got to meet Jack Patterson. Let right. Me, let me phrase it the right way. <laughs> and so, man, I remember watching that now. That's the memorable. That's the memorable part. I'm just doing whatever. <laughs> that, that was memorable. That got more views than anything I've done. I can promise you that. It's more views than I'll ever do. So it's nice. I just kind of live in the shadow. I, I've, I've dubbed myself as the Jack Stop. Patterson press secretary. Stop it. If you exactly. need to know where he's at, I got you. If you want him to go to your game, I got you. Which, by the way. That did happen. <laughs> we had people in LaGrange and Callaway say, like, we want Jack at our, at our game. Jack, you're going to that game. Enjoy. <laughs> um, and speaking of all these different experiences, you're famous. Relax, dude. But um, it's one of those things. You hate, you mentioned that you don't like the neutral side games. So what is the most magical or best experience that you've had in college football so far? Well, so even though it was a neutral site, I'm fine with postseason neutral site. And when they had the Georgia versus Bama title game up the road in Atlanta, mm -hmm. and you're on the field for that. And it's, it's our two huge fan bases in our market along with Auburn, but it's Bama, Georgia. They're playing for a national title in Atlanta. And it's a walk-off touchdown in overtime from a true freshman to a true freshman. And I'm standing close enough to it on the field where I just randomly pulled out my phone. I started recording. I was in the dog pile. 
oh, I was at a, like I was out of body at that point. So I just jump in the dog pile. I still have it on my phone of just recording, and I'm in there with the players, and I'm thinking to myself, "Well, this isn't." Ex- I wasn't thinking this at the time. I'm thinking after I'm, you know, removed from it, watching it. That's not exactly professional. Having said that, I probably wouldn't change anything about it. <laughs> that was wild. I mean, that was crazy. That whole that whole period was crazy. But that night was. That was one I'll remember for the rest of my life. Man, uh, that that I'm not gonna lie. That brings uh, opens a, just a little wound, a, a little wound. The Georgia fan is appreciative that you brought up second and twenty six. By the way, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. But uh, all seriousness, though, getting back at it, you know, what is your eventual goal with the late kick? What do you want the late kick to be? You know, when it's all said and done, what do you want the late kick to be remembered as? I want it to be something that was part of the fabric of people's day, uh, part of the routine of people's day. And I want it to be something you look forward to. Like when I'm hungry and I look forward to dinner, like I'm doing right now, actually, I want that to be what people view the content we produce as in the world of college football. I also, I want it to eventually be the voice in college football. I want when something happens on Saturday for you to think in your mind, I cannot wait to see what he says about that tomorrow night. And I know I'm waiting for tomorrow night. I'm not going to be the one that, you know, records myself giving a takeaway as soon as something happens. That's not the way that works. There's, I want it to be destination appointment viewing, but I'll tell you well above and beyond college football. You know, I've, I've really felt in having more of a voice a little bit more national this past couple of years I think I've got things to say that extend well beyond college football. I think I've got a story that extends well beyond college football. And I want to get into that avenue. I'm, I'm actively working to get into that avenue. But I'll tell you, there are a lot of voices out there who, who have a very, very clear message if you come from nothing. And that's a market that is covered and covered and covered. If you are underprivileged, if you don't have the advantages in life, A lot of people focus on that, as they should. I'm not bemoaning it, as they should. Mm -hmm. And then if you come from wealth, sometimes you get to take the shortcuts anyway because so much is just laid out for you ahead of time. What Mm -hmm. I've realized is there are millions and millions and millions of people in our society that are tweeners, just like I was. I come out of high school. I got good enough grades to get the Hope Scholarship. I don't appreciate it. I end up throwing it away. And so, you know, I haven't finished college at that point. I'm just, I, I'm just throwing away years of my life in the early 20 portions of my life. At that point, I have no direction. I had great parenting. So I have all the things that allegedly you need to have to succeed, but there's no booster engine on me. There's just nothing driving me. And it's because I didn't have that hunger that you get if you're backed into a corner at a young age having nothing. I certainly didn't have the silver spoon born on third base Uh advantage. I was just a tweener. I think there's so many people out there like that who want so badly to have a purpose in life and to be given direction because they know I knew at the time I'm wasting time right now. I'm 22 years old, 23 years old. I can't tell you a single thing I did during those years of my life. They're just wasted. They're just thrown away. I did not accomplish a single thing of relevance during that period of my life. And there are people going through that right now and they don't get felt sorry for because there are so many people worse off. And so, you know, the people who are worse off would look and say, you got every advantage in the world and they're right. But if you don't know how to take advantage of it, then the advantages are irrelevant. 
And so that's where I'd love to do some work is, you know, jerking people up by the collar figuratively and however it has to be done, shining light on the right path instead of just sitting still every day and not taking a, a step forward and, and waiting for the right time. I don't believe in right place, right time, the way that it's presented. I believe in getting yourself to the right place and waiting for the right time to happen. That's the way that yeah. formula is supposed to work. Well, one of the people that, uh, that you've helped and he's, he's yes. told us that you've, that you've helped him tremendously is uh, actually someone, uh, kind of a surprise guest for you here, Josh. Oh boy. Javaris. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I need to, I need to turn my volume down or I'm going to, I'm going to pop the mic. Here. Let me tell you something about this guy. Okay. Uh -huh. so, uh -huh. Story time. I intentionally mispronounce his name because that's how I show affection. So I've called him Javaris for so, so long. But Javaris <laughs> is somebody who, who really embodies a lot of what I'm talking about, really. Amen. Uh, very, mm. very hard worker, like, like purpose-driven, could tell me right now, if I were to ask him, hey, like, what are your goals? What are you doing to achieve them? Could rattle it off right now. I'm not going to give him the pleasure of asking him. Why, <laughs> but I know good and well he could do it. Uh, but yeah, I would say, you know, no lie. I've told him this before. I'll say it publicly the, uh, him. There are, there's some other folks down there. Tyler Revin's one of them, but those guys yeah, are very, very young right now. They're still in college. Right. They are what I was not at that age. I see that. Like I, I'm able to observe that. And it's such a blessing to both see it just manifesting itself. But also if you could ever offer anything to someone like that, and to let them learn from your early life stupidity and just blind ignorance of what things actually are about and what it takes, then by all means, like that, I'm pointing to the bottom of my screen because there he is down there. That's the embodiment. Look at him. He looks so, he is adorable too. Oh my gosh. When, when, we, talk about, when we talk about the presentation and what the people want, how did you turn oh, that face down? So oh, we're going to get out of the God. way. Um, I, I believe now it is now Javaris that you go have. Oh, ask. You, have boy. A, you have a couple Stop questions. For go, go ahead and ask Josh a couple questions, man. First of all, Josh, man, what can I say? I appreciate it, uh, first of all. But I know I don't tell you a lot, and I just wanted to go ahead and get it off my chest. But, man, I appreciate you. Like, I really do. Like, when I first came down here to Columbus, super young, did not know what I was getting myself into, and – you pretty much helped guide me and Tyler, um, you know, through this life of sports media. And I'm grateful for it, man, forever grateful. So um, even to this day, still don't know how old you are. Could be 25, could be 81. We'll never know. Your <laughs> <laughs> face is everything. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Josh Pate. Pate State lives forever. Pate State yes. lives forever. Yes. Uh, yes. It is not the first one. <laughs> it's not the first one. <laughs> But man, I, I great I greatly appreciate it. You're you're literally a phone call away if I ever needed text message, whatever I need, you're there for it. So even when I had to Uber <laughs> Wait, what? Even when I had to Uber to the station, didn't have a car, you know, so Hey, always. so let me use my first time out. I don't know how many I have, but let me use my first time out. <laughs> what he's talking about here is a really good point. Not not the part about how he's really telling me he loves me. That's really what he wants to say. I, do. I, love you. I, I do. Not that part. I do. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the other part. Okay. So I, I'm doing the show, and he asks if he can come in. He asks if he could come in and observe, like I did once upon a time with radio. Yeah. I didn't know that he was having to pay for a car ride. For several weeks, I didn't know that because he never let it be known. Point being, there are plenty of people with a working car in their driveway 
who would never have thought to lower themselves to the point of going and doing something on their own time that they're not going to get paid for and may even have to spend money for. That's what I'm talking about. Like, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Exactly. When you're looking for the, the innate characteristics and you want to know, like, who's eventually going to make it versus who doesn't have uh, that, that mental makeup to make it. It's not hard to find. Like, it's not hard to see. Uh, it, there he is, again, down there. Boy, and that's the kind of stuff, that's kind of stuff uh, I wish, I mean, I just wish that I thought that way. At that age, this makes me sound old. I know it does. <laughs> it's not helping Javaris' case right now. But, man, I wish I thought that way back then. So, I do thank you, Jaja. I thank you a whole lot. Stop it. Wow. Stop it. Stop it. That's being Stop used it. in the office now. Yes. Stop it. No, you're literally giving them content. You don't even realize it. No, he's it. giving us ammo, oh and I love God. this. Hey, Jack, we need That's talk. your NIL. You got to own that, brother. You got to own that NIL. Ja, ja anyway. says, okay, we're getting mm-hmm. t-shirts made. We're getting t-shirts made. Absolutely. One I see. I see really good lick and stick cheek tattoo potential behind that. One jaw on each side. Ja, ja. Yes. I see a lot of potential. I hate you so much. <laughs> no, you don't. And no, I will forever don't. love you oh for this, mate. Oh, my pain. gosh. But, yeah, man. But my question would probably be, let me see. I don't want it to be cookie cutter. I got to give you some good content. Jaja says. Jaja. <laughs> what would definitely be a memorable thing for you? We're going back to memories. Back in the old stage, I know we had so many from pre-production all the way to post what would what would definitely be one of the, the memorable things that we had? Because I could I couldn't even tell you one because we have so many. Well, I'll tell you one. It has nothing to do with broadcast. Mm-mm. And you were you were a part of this at some point, and there were some times where I don't even think you were around before when we started this. So as you guys know, we were a little bit more loose than the other stations. Mm-hmm. There was there was a little bit there was a little bit less uh, cautionary tape around us. We were jealous of that sometimes, believe me. Yeah, so, man, let me tell you what we used to do. So, on Fridays, after management's gone, we would take the news desk out of the studio completely. We're never supposed to move it. We would take it out of there completely, and we would wheel in a ping-pong table we had hidden in the the office behind the news set, had it hidden. We would lower the lights, we would blast music, and we would have full-on ping-pong tournaments between the six and the 11, because we didn't have a 10 at the time. I'm talking about we invited people from the neighborhood. We had friends come in. Papa John's guy would come with our food and would not leave immediately. And we would raise the garage door, which was like the freight load in, load out. And we would have like huge parties in the studio. <laughs> oh, my oh, gosh. You, you suckers oh are over there actually gosh. out doing news like, what's trying, the matter with you? You could be over here playing ping pong. We are sweating, dying to meet deadline. I am screaming at the top of my voice, where is my video? Meanwhile, they're in game four of their ping pong tournament. I was in the wrong place. I still place. got the scores in, a, in, a, in an iPhone notepad file. I still got the scores. I mean, me and Wentz had an epic battle throughout the winter and spring of whatever year that was. So then Javaris comes along, and that's kind of the modus operandi around there. And so I, I told him... You know, he got onboarded and he kind of gets the HR initiation. And then I you know, put my arm around him figuratively and I walk him downstairs and say, okay, this is how it really works. Here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's how it was moving forward. And man, every day we walked in that, that, uh, that newsroom, it was literally a learning experience as well as he was going to make it enjoyable for us. Like it was never a day where it was just strictly work, 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 do this, do that. Like he made our time 
working with him enjoyable. And I will, man, I listen, it, you can't have it any other better than working with Josh Pate. And I mean, now he's just a, like you said, the white t-shirt Messiah, man. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can't have it any better than Rex, that. Rex, we have a lot of work to live up to. No, I, I will say this, that uh, Jaja does make our sports department a lot better because of the determination that he's bringing. And the kid is, he's about ready to do a, a really crazy turn with us because we'll be up in uh, in Athens uh, seeing the Arkansas uh, Arkansas game up there between the hedges. And he's ready to go because we're going to leave at zero dark 30 after a prep yep. zone. But uh now, Josh, but again, thank you so much. Uh, we see, again, how you've inspired him, so we're just trying to give him a little bit more knowledge. This, this kid's going to be a force of nature when he gets an opportunity and someone pulls the trigger. Absolutely, so. and it's going to be well-deserved. I appreciate well, it. Well, I can thank tell you. you, it will not be regretted. That's the one thing yeah. I know. It yeah. will not be regretted. Agreed. Agreed. Well, we're uh, we're kind of wrapping up our time with here with with, with Josh. With Pate State Headmaster, but uh, we, have we have one more question. With the caveat of your we can get your help, Josh, who would you mm-hmm. like to see on our podcast? Oh boy, are there any barriers? Like, is there any? The no only go-go? the only barrier is that you have to help us get them. Okay. Um, does there need to be a Columbus tie? Does not have to be a Columbus tie. It'd be prefer preferred if there was, but you know. What um, what is the white whale out there right now? Like, what is the Ooh. dream candidate? And I'm really stalling so I can buy time. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you who we've had so far. How about that? Okay. Uh, we've had uh we've had Scott Brand, the owner of the River Dragons in the Chattahoots. We've had Mark Immelman, the CSU golf well, the former CSU the golf director and that was a big uh, one. CBS um, golf analyst. We've had uh Ryan Bliss, the fo- um, former Auburn shortstop. We've had Taquan Marshall. Uh, we've had uh Corey Black from Corey Black uh, AD from Pacelli. DJ Jones, Sports D- Visions. Yeah. Uh, are you going through the Spotify playlist right now, Rick? Uh, Jay Krupp from the River Dragons. Leah Gingrich, who was uh, uh, qualifying, trying to get on Team USA for swimming. We actually had a gold medal winner, which was Amber English. Mind-blowing. John Nelson uh, from GPB the Sports. The dean of Georgia yep. High School Sports. Um, and then I think that pretty much covered Mason Espinosa from the Lions. Yeah. Tim Fanning from Glenwood. Glenwood. And our most recent one was Jonathan Carestory. Uh, former Northside quarterback and FC now works with West Georgia FCA. Uh, and of course you, Josh Pate. Yes. Okay. All right. So I got a good feel now. Okay. So, um, you know, th- there is another person who was in that market when we were there and even when I was there and who has gone on to not only, uh, take her talents to Baton Rouge, but since then has moved to New yes. Orleans. That's a great yes. one. I know and where covers you're going with the this. Saints yes. And covers the saints now. I, I mean, think- she was in Foxborough yesterday. She was dressed in like a, I don't know what color it was, but I texted She's her and fancy. said, look at, my, look at my little cranberry. And she loved it. And by loved it, I mean hated it. But <laughs> yeah, accepted it. So I will nominate one Brooklyn Kirchhofer. And I would like you to call her Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Okay. So now Jaja and Brooklyn. are the, yes. are, Is that are those the proper names, correct? Yeah, that's that's license. I, I would imagine it's from the driver's license. Yeah, awesome. I think that awesome. sounds like a phenomenal, phenomenal recommendation. Yes. And actually, hey, I'm just gonna text her. Hey, Brooklyn. Josh says that you need to come on the show. Yeah, Brooklyn yes. with a Y. Yeah, she'll oh, love the Y. She'll love <laughs> Josh, man, uh, you are inspirational. You're a great yes. person, and you've added so much to the college football, uh, you know, speaking landscape that I think people have seen your authenticity and they appreciate it. And I'm glad that. This is happening for you, man, because you've worked your tail off for it. I appreciate you having me on, and I appre- you know I appreciate what you guys do because 
I have done it. And I like, I, I'm not going to go off on a tangent here, but I so appreciate, like, remember when we used to go to games and we'd be there in a strictly sports news capacity. Right. Mm -hmm. And you'd see these folks who were there with the national outlets and they didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to work. And I was doing that this past weekend. Like I do some pre and post for CBS sports, but during the game, I don't even have equipment with me. I'm just walking around the sideline and I, I felt so sheepish because I'm walking <laughs> past the local news folks and I know they're staring daggers in me because they probably got up at four 30 this morning. They didn't get to fly in here the night before they don't have a hotel next to the stadium. So man, first off, I'm not giving any of it back, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. We are believers in the late kick podcast. Y'all go subscribe to it right now. Give it yes. six star ratings. You will not regret it. Josh. Exactly. And Peyton, man. man, you're doing the Valley proud, man. We, you are doing a fantastic job. Keep up the good work, man. I appreciate it, guys. When we talk about inspiring guests, Jack, this guy has to be towards the top. I mean, a guy, an entrepreneur spirit who has grown his brand to the national level is amazing. He's the literal embodiment of started from the bottom and now we're here. I, you couldn't have put it any better than that. And this is a guy who embraces the grind. Who He talked about it. The grind is going to filter you out. He's the guy who's on top. And guys, again, we said it during the podcast – Subscribe to him. Subscribe yes. to the Lake Kick. He he does a lot of great work. His show is fantastic. Give him a watch for sure. And, well, now he blessed us with it. It's time to wrap up the show, isn't it, Jack? Man, I think it's about that time. Rex, where can they find us? Guys, you can check out this podcast on WRBL.com, but, of course, you can check out the episodes on Spotify, Apple Radio, and iHeartRadio. Give us a watch. Give us a listen. Give us a subscribe because guys like that keep us inspired. Hopefully keep you inspired. But, Jack, we're going to have this on our social media uh, channels as well. Where can they find us there? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Rex Castillo TV, at Jay Patterson TV. You can find us on Facebook, WRBL Rex Castillo, WRBL Jack Patterson. Follow the News 3 Sports team at WRBL Sports on Twitter, WRBL News 3 Sports on Facebook. Hey, Rex. Take us home, man. Man, can't thank it, Josh, again. Thank you to Jack, to Dylan, our director, to Jaja, Javaris, Javaris, our oh intern, gosh. for coming in and being a part of it as well. To Josh Pate, we salute you. Can't wait to see you guys in a couple weeks. He's going to hate me for the rest of this, but thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you in a couple weeks right here on your sideline. See you in two weeks, y'all.